Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Kokoro Movement Podcast. Before we get this podcast started, I want to talk to you guys about a few different things. The first is I have a few programs available on my website, kokoromovement.com. The first is a three-class introductory session to functional mobility training. And the second is, if you like the first one, then I have a four-week training block that's a lot more comprehensive that's going to be available for $50, all right? So please go to the website and check that out. And we also have this offer from The Ready State with Dr. Kelly Sturette. For your listeners, we have created, it's thereadystate.com slash movement. We've got, we've got something for you. You know, we have, if you just want a two-week on-ramp crash course, full access to everything, we'll give that to you for two weeks. Come, come see how we're solving the problems. Take, steal what you like, you know, leave the rest behind, you know, keep speaking your own movement language. All right, my friends, there you have it. Please go to thereadystate.com and take advantage of that free two-week offer. And please go to thekokoromovement.com and check out the functional mobility training programs that I have on there. You can never have too much mobility. So our guest today for the podcast is Dr. John Campioni. This is his third time on the podcast. We had a great conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. Dr. John Campioni coming in hot. hanging in there it's a it's a weird world <laughs> it's a weird what it's a weird world that we live yes, in right now and so you know just it's a you know time was going incredibly slow and then my gym was able to reopen two weeks ago and now it's just <laughs> oh, that's great fast yeah i'm super pumped on it i was also just gonna open it anyway because i was over it and couldn't figure <laughs> out who was enforcing gyms not being open and you're in arizona right yeah yeah so we actually had to apply to the arizona department of health to reopen our gym and so luckily the day that i was just going to open it anyway the application went through so i was like oh good (laughs) that's oh that's great (laughs) yeah it is you didn't have to do anything that was potentially like going to get you in trouble right right but after a while you're just like well i'd rather quote unquote get in trouble than go bankrupt so you know, just got to make it happen. I feel like I, uh, I, sometimes it's a curse. So, uh, I'll say it like that, but I, I always am in the middle of most things. I see everybody's point of view as best yeah. I can. Right. And I'm in the gray area a lot and I, I, I get it. Like I want everybody to be safe. I want this to go away. And I know a lot of that comes with people following the rules and stuff like that, but you got to get paid. You got to, you know, you got to yeah. run your business. Right. And, you know, this is a runaway freight train. Like America did a terrible job of containing this. And so the way I've been explaining it is like the house already burned down, man. Like (laughs) just rebuild the house. And so like, if you just like, we keep our gym ridiculously clean. I wear a mask. You know, we don't have, we have uh, at max three people in the gym plus one coach. 
there's 10 feet between us, you know, and like for my uh, massage room, I literally make a show out of it. So I wait until the client gets there and then I spray the table and then I put new linens on and I clean all the stuff that I'm going to use on them as I'm, as they're standing there. And then I sanitize my hands right in front of them. You know what I mean? And so we're just, so it's just be like super clean and wear a mask and we should be good. Like that's what the rules are, you know, which is, (laughs) I don't know, kind of one thing that I wanted to talk to you about is because you're a teacher, right? So you're back in school now, right? Yes. Yes. We are back in school. Um, So we have, uh, let me look at my calendar and try to get dates right. Uh, Where did we, so like if I said week 10, that doesn't mean anything to anybody. Um, But so we started our summer session in, in May. So I think it was May 11th. You know, we were going into all of this um, actually thought we were going to go back to campus week four of our summer session, which yeah. would have been like end of May. Yeah. But then Illinois set different parameters. We got pushed back. So we ended up coming back on campus. Um, I want to say it was July, like 13th, mid July, something like that. Yeah. That was, that was week 10 of a, of a 15 week semester. Right. So I had, you know, I had to cram a lot of things into, uh, you know, uh, my coursework, but that wasn't a bad thing. You know, teaching rehab, I was able to kind of build on concepts that I had actually been doing via online classes. Right. The hardest thing for me in the summer, really, and I've heard this from so many other teachers, whether it be my school graduate programs, other programs, stuff like that is... I felt like I was busier doing online courses than I was live courses because right. I had a deadline to get content. I had to make content. Like I had lectures yeah. and unfortunately around the summertime is when I typically go into uh, uh, revamping some of my courses. Yeah. I should have looked a, a little bit farther ahead for that, but I, uh, I wanted to change some things up. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm going to change some things up. I had to rewrite a lot of lectures and then I had to record it and then yeah. I had to upload it. And then I had to make sure all that stuff was good for the students. Then I had to really pay a, a close attention to um, testing because testing had to be done online and stuff like that as well too. Excuse me for one second. Yep. Um, so, so the hardest part essentially I blow my nose into the microphone for everybody. <laughs> the hardest part was really just kind of making content. And I, I, I understand how hard it is for everybody who's like doing daily stuff on Instagram and stuff like that. It's like yeah. trying to make this content and, you know, I'm like running my lab, but essentially it's me in my rehab space with camera on and no students in front of me. So I'm trying to kind of almost think about how would I teach it live, but then, you know, I got to go from point to point because there's no breakouts. There's nothing to like fill or eat time with students. Hey, go practice that kind of stuff. And then if, if you know me and my anxiety levels, uh, I always worry, like, are the students getting what they need out of that? Because, you know, and I don't mean this in a mean way. Students don't necessarily speak up when it's something they don't like. So it's like, well, 
that I watched the video for lab, but I don't understand it. They don't necessarily email me immediately and say that they kind of just, Oh, well, I guess that's what it is, you know, kind of thing. So sometimes it's very frustrating. I think about that. I go, I really hope they're understanding it because no one's telling me that they're having any issues with anything as well too. So, you know, right. there's a lot of um, problems that we had to work around. We had to be very safe with stuff, you know, trying to schedule meetings with students was always uh, challenging because we had to stick within our schedule most yeah. of the time. And giving tests, we had to stick to our schedule because we didn't want classes to conflict with each other too. And I'm very fortunate that I didn't have to deal with, um, for lack of a better term, complaints. Because um, yeah. a lot of students were extremely frustrated, rightfully so, with, um, you know, some teachers weren't as adept as others with, um, you know, using technology. Uh, technology is, is very um, spotty at times too. So, you know, doing, using different software to uh, keep the integrity of an exam um, uh, to, on par, sometimes that doesn't work the way that we want it to as well, too. So it, it gets super frustrating. Right now, we're back on campus, but we're limited meeting times. Definitely all live in-person laboratory because as you know, as a profession chiropractic, we're hands-on. So right. um, one of the most important things was making sure that we have uh, our labs live and going back to what probably was your original question, but I, I, I went into a tirade. Um, we are being very cautious with everything. Everybody has to take a survey online that sends them an email that I have to check everyone in my class. When I take role, number one, are you there? Number two, did you do your survey? Let me see your survey. And what the survey basically says is you're cleared to be on campus. Yeah. So like if you look into, I wonder if I could find it real quick uh, and kind of read off what it is because I'm sure everybody has a little bit different one. But uh, it's like, do you have any of the following symptoms? And you let, you know, yeah. I have none of these or I have some of these. And then like you look at, uh, do you currently have any of these symptoms? Uh, have you traveled internationally 14, uh, within the last 14 days? So yeah. we're trying to take as many precautions as we can. Um, some people uh, who have it available are taking like temperatures and stuff like that. Um, it's not a requirement for our campus um, right. to do that. Uh, we all have to wear masks. Like I am very strict with when I see a nose poking out to my students, yeah. my healthcare students. Oh. It's like, it's a respiratory disease, guys. Cover their nose up. Right? Yeah. Um, so I'm very, very strict with that as well too. And you know, everybody's been pretty good about it. You know, nobody really complains about freedoms and rights. It's just what we have to do. It's just, we have to just get into, you know, we have to wear masks, you know, yeah. it stinks. Like I come back to my office and I do my, I'm very diligent more than I was with my breathing drills. Yeah. Cause I know talking number one, I hyperventilate, but now wearing a mask, it, it is a little bit more difficult to talk with a mask. It changes the way I have to talk and stuff like that. So like, I'm really cautious of that, that kind of stuff, but I'm just, I'm making do, you know what I mean? Right. And so when I, you know, when the pandemic started, you know, we talked about a little bit on the rock tape podcast, but it's just this huge shift where you're just like, okay, how do I make this work? And so I started yeah. teaching mobility classes online and that was the very first thing you know, because I'm used to just coaching. I'm used to walking around, tactile cueing, all that kind of stuff, you know, positional, uh, making sure people are right in the right positions and all that stuff. And now I'm 
doing the whole entire class on my own while trying to coach. And that's a whole different um, breathing. That's a whole different breathing pattern that I had to get used to, you know, (laughs) and then, um, you know, then I started the, the online live classes were going really well. And, you know, I had a lot of people signed up and then on May 15th, Arizona reopened and then everybody went back to work. And then my attendance went down to like two people per class. And I was like, well, crap, now what? And so, you know, then it's like going to, you were still doing online at that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so then I had to switch to, um, video on demand and, you know, then I wanted to get that out right away. So then I started, um, mobility, like a four week mobility training block. And I wanted to get that out as soon as possible, but then I'm overtraining because then I'm training every day instead of every other day. And it's just like this huge thing, just this constant adjustment period, like what you were talking about with uh, the technology, right? So like the first like two zoom classes, I couldn't figure out how to get the microphone on. And then, you know, then it was like, I had phone solicitors calling me in the middle of classes and interrupting classes. And oh, it was just a disaster, you know, just, it's but it's not bad enough to talk to them. I know just trying to get it all figured out, you know, and it just sounds like that's kind of where everybody's at. It's, um, and then, so, you know, you're, you're a glasses wearing person just like me. And so now the weather's like starting to cool off. So now I'm just like, every time I breathe, <laughs> my glasses fog up, it's a nightmare. <laughs> Oh, you mentioned that. I got to tell you this morning's story just because it's funny. It has really nothing to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> I'm driving into, I usually wear contact lenses, honestly, yeah. and, um, mostly just because I don't want my glasses to get ruined and I'm very blind. I'll tell you about that in a second, but yeah. um, I'm driving to work and my right contact lens is just bugging me. So I sit down in my office, I take it out just to see if there's like an eyelash or something and it just sticks together. And if you've ever kind of handled uh, contact lenses, they stick together. You, it's very difficult to peel them apart unless you have some moisture. So stupid me, I've been doing this literally most of my life, a good majority of my life wearing lenses of some kind. I didn't have any saline. I could have used like tap water. It's not the best, but it's something, but I, I ripped it. Uh, so I couldn't put it back in my eye. Oh, I am extremely blind. So yeah. I, I actually asked my doctor cause I, I never known my, uh, my 2020 number. Yeah. Because eye doctors honestly don't care about that number, but it's something that everybody talks about. So, yeah. you know, you know, 2020 is like you, what, what you can see at 20 feet, the normal, the, what the normal population sees at 20 feet, you can see at 20 feet. You know, right. the best human vision is 28 that's been recorded is what, um, what you can see at uh, 20 feet, the normal population can see at eight feet. Right. So it's like, you can see really far, really well. My vision, my vision is 20. 600. And even that was guess. So (laughs) I am very blind. So I'm dealing with most of the morning. I have one contact lens in, I could feel a headache coming on. I got to go teach a class. And I'm like, ah, these masks. I'm so glad it doesn't fog up, but I would give anything right now to have my glasses. So my wonderful wife and daughter brought me my glasses. And like I said, it had nothing to do with what we were talking about, but I thought that was kind of a funny story when you're talking about glasses. Because I, I put on my glasses and I'm talking and I'm teaching. We're having a discussion. They're fogging up constantly. So like oh, I had right. yeah. a lot of visual issues today with everything. It's so frustrating. And so then, you know, that it going to the grocery store, just 
It used to drive me crazy before because I'm a man on a mission when I go to a grocery store. I'm like a tornado. And now I'm even worse because I can't breathe out without my glasses fogging up. And so I'm just trying to go as fast as I can. And there's just people that just don't know what kind of vegetable they want. So they're just standing around. <laughs> it drives me crazy. But, uh, you know, the other day I kind of switched up uh, the content that I'm making um, and you know, so now I start doing like a, a lot more sideways shots, right? And I'm looking at my glasses going, God, what's up Coke bottles? <laughs> like, geez, they're just so thick. Cause I'm so blind too. Me too. Like, yeah. like I just have to have something like six inches away from my face in order to see it. You know, yeah. it's just bananas. But, uh, yeah. So just the, the constant adaptation. And I try to add a silver lining to it is I feel like my, my, my stupid superpower is if I take off my glasses, I can see extremely small, like fine print because I basically, I hold it up so close. Like that's where I can actually read something. So like, if you have really small print and you need somebody to read it, I can do that for you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like literally up against your face. My wife makes fun of me all the time when I like have to look at something without my glasses on. And it's the worst. Like if you wake up and knock them off the, bed stand you have to be like babe come find my glasses for me <laughs> i have a really strong night fear about being in a very crowded loud place and yeah. getting my glasses uh, and dark too and getting my glasses knocked off yeah like when i was stupid in college and went out with friends you know yeah. all those terrible dark clubs with the terribly loud music and crowds like yeah. i always was like oh what if i was wearing my glasses and someone knocked them off i feel like i would be just lost like yeah. it actually scares me to think about it dude there was one time i was doing a crossfit workout and i did a muscle up and when i pulled through to land on top of the rings my glasses flew off and i was wow. just like well now what See, I don't typically train in, in glasses. Like yeah. most of the time I'm going to put my contact. If I'm going to wear my contacts at all during a day, it's usually during my activity. Yeah. And I can't like, I've never, so I have extreme astigmatism. So I don't, I have never tried contacts Two. before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't, maybe I should give them a shot. I don't know. But like. There are yeah. better ones. If we could talk about the evolution of contacts, cause I lived through it. Um, yeah. yeah. I used to have, um, I have bad astigmatism and very nearsighted. They used to not make contact lenses for that, th th those eyes, but now they're actually getting better with what are called toric lenses and for astigmatism and stuff like that too. But you know, then yeah. you think about like, I've never really had the best, most perfect, comfortable contact lens ever. It's really like a lot of times you'll hear me towards the uh, middle of the day be like, my eyes, I really want to rip these things out, you know? Yeah. What are my glasses? So that's a bummer, man. And so, there was also one time where I was doing handstand push-ups and they fell off and I had to like walk sideways down the wall so I could finish the workout without my glasses on. It's ridiculous. It's such a pain in the ass. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know, but then, you know, that's my uh, excuse for never being an elite athlete, right? Cause the, those elite athletes have superior vision to everybody else. That's why they can react the way they do. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I mean, you, you know me, I, I love the vision drills and, and I study vision a, a lot too. And, you know, I recently I posted something about like your dominant eye and training your eyes and stuff like that. And I made sure to be like, I'm super nearsighted. I don't expect my visual acuity to be to the point to where I can get rid of my lenses with these eye exercises. But 
I'm doing it for the health of my brain. And also it can help me see better to an extent with the help of my corrective lenses. Yeah. Interesting. So then let's talk about, I was interested in uh, the shift for the rock tape classes as well. Have you been teaching those on the weekends? Yes, I have. So, so we've been doing webcasts. Yeah. And so that's something that I found really interesting because I was kind of into it for a second. And then I was like, hold on. You mean I just got to sit in this chair for eight hours? That's so crazy. But what's what's that like teaching those? It's tough, actually. It's a very different methodology. Um, I enjoy it. I really do. I would say I feel more tired after those courses than I did live courses because I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the lack of interaction. Um, maybe, honestly, I probably move less because there is a, a large component of, of lecture within our courses. So I'm sitting at a desk at the camera most of the time. Um, it was a, it was a, I wouldn't say it was a difficult transition, honestly. It was a, a different transition. We had to, number one, adapt, figure out how we wanted to kind of teach the class. Because I've been with Rock Tape for nearly six years now, um, and I've taught all the courses a number of times and now it's like, okay, you know that routine that you're in for yeah. a six-hour course, twice, two days during the weekend, you know where your jokes go, you know where you break out, all that stuff. Now you got to do that without the benefit of a crowd reaction and without the benefit of breakout time for people to literally practice where you walk around and say, hey, try this, or that's really good, et cetera, et cetera. So you had to kind of, I think the hardest thing for most of us talking with other instructors is trying to just kind of change the class to a different environment. And that's really yeah. where the struggle came. There was a lot of, we had to learn about Zoom and using things like breakout rooms and um, serve, we use the polling option quite a bit. I don't know if you play around with any of that stuff on your Zoom account, but yeah. There's a polling option where we ask questions because we had to really incorporate a lot of continuing ed um, because it's webcast versus live, like almost like a testing format. Right. Um, so it was that change in adapting, but also like I, I had to become like an amateur videographer too, is like figure out how to get myself within camera, find the right lighting in my house, Yeah. you know, like find a good internet and stuff like that. Like a lot of those... Um, little things that you don't pay attention to. Right. <laughs> it's like in theory, if I went to your gym and you just had a box and it was bare bones and you're like, yeah, we don't have internet here or anything like that. Like I could still give a presentation with my, with my projector, with my uh, iPad hooked into it. And I could just yeah. go through the slides and we could go through as long as we had the material and a place to kind of play around. I, I mean, I've, t I've taught these courses in lecture halls yeah. that have no treatment tables. Like right. we can always adapt. Right. It was weird to try to adapt to more of a webcast because this is, I've always said this about, about Rock Tapes courses is, you know, years ago when the trend of online education really took off, I was 100% behind it. But I always thought about this. I was like, could we do that at Rock Tape with the courses we're doing right now? Right. And I was like, no, these are, these are courses you really need like hands-on practice in the class with that. And then we were forced to do that in March. And we did a really good job, honestly, as we kind of adapted it and changed it. And, you know, we really encourage everyone to get up and move with us and do things with us. And, you know, it's always nice when someone's like, yeah, I've got my wife or partner here to practice on. So I'm going to kind of do it as, as you go along, you know? 
That's awesome. Uh, trouble for me too is I don't have childcare. Yeah. My wife and I don't have childcare. And we also were very cautious of, of finding childcare at a certain point during all yeah. this. Like we didn't want to let anybody in our house, even, even family members. So we have to occupy my children. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my wife is so amazing to be able to figure out how to do that and then also be a model for me. Right. while I need someone to kind of practice on. So it, it, it's, there was a lot of things we had to adapt to, but like everything with our rock tape family, I think we did it very well. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like there's a certain level of slack that is provided to people nowadays too. Like everybody understands so. that they all have children. So if you have a child interrupting a webcast, then you're pretty much good to go. So, you know, we, uh, <laughs> you know, me and the guy I run the gym with started a webcast because, you know, we were having weekly conversations with each other and we started to realize that there's other business owners that need to have these conversations as well and would also like to hear them. You know what I mean? Because we're all trying to figure this out and we all have different perspectives on things. So then we started, uh, but like the first two were just me and him and those kids, his kids interrupt constantly. So he's like, Hey, if you, go watch your iPad for the next 30 minutes. I'll give you this treat. And they're like, cool, sounds good. And then 30 seconds later, they're like, nope, ruined it. I'm back in here interrupting. So it was like yeah. really good to start getting guests on so that he could just mute himself, go take care of the child while I'm asking questions. You know what I mean? And right. it was, so it was just way easier that way. But I feel like everybody understands we're all in the same boat. This is like, <laughs> it's like I said, it's the weirdest time to be alive. And um, yeah, you know, like I've been, since we reopened the gym, I've just been off to the races, like getting back to normal. But then, you know, we're so overwhelmed right now that, you know, like the, the fires in California, like just two days ago, I was like, oh shit, I know a bunch of people in California. I should probably see if they're okay. Like my sister's in Oregon, uh, yeah. just outside Portland and she's seeing all that stuff too. They're evacuating yeah. people in, in, in the Portland, uh, around the Portland area. It's just bananas. And so it's, you know, but we're just like, oh, the West side of the United States is on fire. And everybody's like, okay, I don't know. <laughs> like, or How old are you, Jesse? I am uh, 38. Okay. So you're my age. Yeah. I, I don't want to necessarily get into this contentious uh, discussion or argument if anybody's going to be mad at us for it. And I'm certainly not going to go political, but it's always funny when, when you know, uh, older people kind of still look at our generation and go, oh, you know, I, first of all, I hate the generational labels. I think they're yeah. stupid because there's too much variability, but like, I guess technically we're millennials. Yeah. Um, but actually, I don't think we are. I think that's still incorrect, but I still hear, you know, older people, all millennials. It's like millennials are going into their forties right, right now. We're right. in our mid thirties. So at what point do you take us seriously? But the point I was going to get at is you and I started, I mean, what's today as we were recording this, it's, it's September 11th. Right. You and I, I started my first semester of college was when nine 11 happened. I went right. into adulthood with nine 11. Then I went into school with, you know, the wars and, and all that stuff going through college. I got out of school. I went into graduate school. I had to deal with a massive change in healthcare as I'm getting into healthcare. Yeah. And then I get out, I start having kids and now we're, I'm raising two small children during a lot of this stuff. So please stop yelling at our generation. We're trying to handle this as best we can. I know. And so it's, it's funny because 
there's been such a huge shift in the way the world works since, you know, that time. And so like one of the things is, you know, cell phones, right. You know, cause I remember when I grew up like riding BMX, I would call my friend's house and they weren't home. So that means they're out riding. And so we yep. had like 10 to 15 riding spots that we would go check. And if we didn't find them, we got an eight hour day of riding and we just went home. You know yep. what I mean? And that's yep. how we did it. And yep. we we're joking most recently a lot about how there was probably times where we were like 10 minutes behind each other, just searching yeah. the same spots and just didn't, you know, and, but now we have so much access to so much information. And since nine 11, we haven't really done anything hard. Nothing really difficult has happened. And so, you know, that's my theory behind the mask is like when people are like wearing a mask to the grocery store, it's, it, it's hard. And I'm like, it's not hard. You've just never done anything difficult. It's not hard. It's different. Yeah. So like, just go run a half marathon and then running or wearing a mask is not a big deal. Like, you know, I've done a cage fight before a mask isn't hard. Like it's fine. You know, I like, uh, on July we hiked up to the tallest peak in Arizona and I was completely unprepared. I've never, I don't hike at all. And it's like this 10 mile round trip and it's like 14,000 feet. What's and the I was, peak? it's a uh, Humphreys. Okay. Yeah. And so I just got crushed and like, I couldn't, I was peg legged for like five days. I couldn't walk. And I'm just like, that is so much harder than wearing a mask to the grocery store. You know what I yeah. mean? And so like all of our problems I feel are, you know, we're going to go kind of political a little bit um, is, you know, just the media just jumping all over terrible things. And so we're constantly exposed to just terrible anxiety, depression, like everything is just pounded on us 24 hours a day. You know what I mean? So I've had to have, you know, I have clients and friends that are police officers. I've had to have like these conversations with people, like how many thousands of interactions with police officers do you have a day? A lot. And how often does police brutality happen? How often do police kill people? I mean, it seems like more often now than ever, but like not very often considering. So what we need to do is defund the media because just having 24 hour news where there's really nothing to talk about, except for this day and age where it's all just terrible, you know, Mm. probably needs to back off a little bit. Let's go to the hour of news a day. Like, let's go back to that. You know what I mean? Like we've, yeah. and so, you know, going back to like the, the people blaming, blaming millennials for everything, it's just because we've had it so easy for so long that like, you know, this is the first time we've had to like hunker down and do a difficult thing. You know what I mean? Like we're not, we can't eat out at restaurants. No, you can't make food at home. It's okay. Like, sure, yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of like my whole thoughts on, on everything, but like going back to the nine eleven thing, it's uh, you know, I just realized this morning that I'm actually talking to you on this day. So like, what were you doing that day? Like what? Oh, I know exactly what I was doing. You know, yeah. it's that traumatic event that's so ever present in your mind. What was I doing? I was at Valparaiso university. It was my first semester. It was early September. So maybe a couple weeks into the semester 
Um, I vividly remember waking up that Tuesday morning and looking out the window of my dorm and saying, what a beautiful day. Yeah. Um, and then I, I had 7.30 a.m. calculus lab, which I don't need to go into those horrors, but uh, <laughs> I was walking back from lab. I don't even know how long lab was, maybe, maybe like an hour and a half or something. So maybe it was around nine o'clock central time. Yeah. Um, I was walking back in the like common area in my dorm. I, there's a big window. You can sit and there's a TV there. And I walked in, guys on my floor that I had met. Um, I just walked by and I kind of was trying to like make a funny face or something like that. And they just had this like ashen look on their face, mouth open. And they just like waved me in, like, come here, come look at this. And I just came around and just the TV was on, the news report was already there. And we're all just staring at it. Like, I didn't even, I don't even think I said like, Hey, what's going on? I just, we kind of, I, it just kind of like locked in. I saw what was happening and we just like sat there. I don't even know how long. And what was, I don't mean this to be heartbreaking and I'm certainly not saying that I was under any, you know, uh, peril or anything like that in, in, in rural Indiana. But I remember the only other class I had that day was in the afternoon. I was an engineering major at the time. I had a structures class later in the afternoon and my professor, you know, said something about the day's events and, you know, we, we, we went to class and. Then he started showing us like buildings and talking about their structures and up came the World Trade Center. And like my poor teacher, just, I guess he just didn't realize or forgot that those pictures were in there. And it was just one of those things where it's like, oh crap, you know, like, yeah. and he just addressed it, you know, very briefly, like, and unfortunately, you know, these are no longer there. And we all kind of, you know, had that moment and it was just, it was, yeah, I can remember that entire day, you know, yeah. uh, what happened it's one of those yeah. things like every older person that i know knows where they were when kennedy was shot yeah like that's that's how it is i think for our generation when it comes it comes to uh the 9-11 attacks right and so i was in san diego at the time and i finished my my base level of massage education so i was living there just the way that they had it was uh the way that this school did it was um intensive classes. So my base level was 10 hours a day for 10 days. Mm. And then after that, you signed up for like sports massage and that was like a week long. And then you signed up for uh, traditional Asian massage. And then that was like, you know, so I was just staying with a, a friend of mine that I met through massage school that was doing all these classes with me. And she was a older lady uh, uh, from Germany. And, you know, I'm a kid and I was 18 years old and I, uh, that was the first time out of Arizona, like by myself, like just living on my own. So I was, you know, stay up too late and wake up later, like that kind of thing. But she came bursting in. She was in the middle of a Bikram yoga class. She came bursting in the door. We're all going to fucking die. Oh my God. And then she like was like freaking out. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, oh, we just got attacked and we're going to die. And I'm like, I don't think we're going to die, but what's happening? And so we didn't have a TV. So we were banging on the neighbor's door and she let us in and we're like, Hey, we need to turn on the news. And that was like, I turned on the news like right when like people were like jumping off of the first tower to like, because it was either like jump off or burn to death. And you're just like looking at it being like, what? 
is happening. And then that's, then I watch like the second plane hit live and you're just sitting there for like hours, just watching this. And it was just like the most surreal thing ever. And so, you know, every year there was this, uh, the history channel just has like this hour long video of just like firsthand video of people just on that day, like that are accurate throughout the timeline of the events, just firsthand videos. And, you know, there's one part that gets me every time and, you know, there's no, there's no music, there's no nothing. There's no uh, narration. It's just these videos. And there's one video where everybody's like hiding in this uh, lobby of like a hotel and the first tower collapses and then these firefighters run in and they're yelling for cell phones and they just start, people just start giving them cell phones and they just call their family and they're just like, Hey, I love you. I'm okay. I'm going into tower two and hang up and run out like into this cloud of destruction. And I'm just like, that's the bravest thing I've ever seen in my life. Just like, it's so crazy. And it's just like one of those. And it's crazy that there's people that are legal adults and that's just not a substantial event in their life, which is really crazy to me. You know what I mean? It's just kind of, that's like one of those things where it's like, Hey, you know how old you are? There's legal adults that don't know about nine 11. You're just like, Oh my God. (laughs) It's weird to think like when my kids get to like high school and they study it, it's like, oh my gosh, I can ask my dad about that. Or I ask my mom about that. Right. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let me tell you about that day. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Weird. And so like this year might be that event for them. You know what I mean? Like that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. Because yeah. we're just kind of, you know, we're just kind of living through it right now. This kind of historical event where, mm-hmm. you know, a couple months ago, the Pentagon's like, hey, UFOs are real. And we're like, okay. <laughs> and they're just like, no, you don't understand. And like, no, we understand. We get it. There's other pressing matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just don't like, I'm so overwhelmed all the time. I just don't care. Like, I, <laughs> you know, like if I looked outside and there was an alien invasion, I'd be like, okay, makes sense. I guess. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that would be like, like, are they taking over right now? <laughs> right. Then fine. Right? fine. We're okay. Like, geez, they're just it's probably. Like, uh, did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? Um, I did not. And the couple on there had a baby. They're told to all their friends is like, you don't come talk to us or ask for advice unless the problem is an eight or higher right? as far as severity. So right. like throughout the whole episode, they'd be like, hey, I got to talk to you. Eight or higher. Right. Eight. Like, that's what we're telling everybody now is like, what's going on? Eight or higher, please. Come Eight on. Or higher. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's funny. And so like you said, for us, the fires in the West are not an eight or higher, but for your sister they are. And so then you're just like yeah. trying to kind of tap back into humanity and kind of seeing what's going on in the world because it's just so crazy. Um, and then so that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you guys guys about. Did you close your practice during this time or were you able to stay open? So I, I actually kind of consider myself fortunate that we didn't have to deal with that, that decision is I 
my wife and I both transitioned into education um, uh, a couple of years ago, honestly. Okay. So we actually had closed our practice last year um, and we're no longer uh, uh, in practice uh, in a formal setting. Okay. So I had uh, transitioned into full-time faculty as a full-time faculty member um, in the chiropractic program here at my school. Um, my wife was teaching part-time. Like now she's, she's uh, getting into um, her own, uh, building her own website and, 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 uh, and, um, and following. But we were fortunate that we didn't actually have to answer that question is, do we stay practicing or not? And to be honest with you, I didn't pay a lot of attention to whether or not we would have been able to, because I just, it wasn't ever present, you know, eight or higher. It was um, not something I had to think about, but I think we could have stayed open to an extent in our state um, because we were seen as, you know, essential workers. And, you know, one thing my, my wife actually said this very eloquently is like, she was telling her students at the time too, her chiropractic students is like, you guys in a situation like this, you got to understand that hospitals are overwhelmed. Um, you know, medical doctors are overwhelmed. You could be somebody who takes up the slack from a holistic perspective for a lot of people who can't get into their doctors right now right. and really help them out. So, you know, we didn't, for, fortunately, we didn't have to kind of have to make a tough decision because it just wasn't something we had to do. But um, I think we would have probably stayed open if it was available. Now, having said that though, with small children, I'm not sure if we would have made the decision to stay open or not. I think right. both my wife and I would have been like, I don't know if we want to be around people right now and then come home and expose our kids. Cause at the time we weren't sure about anything. I mean, people got to understand we're all learning this stuff in real time too. So a lot of the information that's coming out is just very, very new. So at the time, we didn't know how it affected kids. From what I'm reading right now, it's not a huge concern. Obviously, I don't want them to get it anyways, but I think we would have probably been like, well, we're going to close for a little while and see how this kind of plays out, which I can tell you would have scared the crap out of me because yeah. not knowing where an income comes from. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, uh... It's funny because this is like the first conversation where we actually talked about stuff instead of education, but then it always comes back to education because we're both super into it. But it's, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, so then that's where you have to have the responsibility to be educated so that you can be that person that other people lean on in this situation, like you were just describing, right? Yeah. So even more so for, um, you know, the, the chiropractors and PTs because they have that, that DR dot in front of their name. Right. And so for me, like as a massage therapist, like we talked about on your podcast, I just was really driven by frustration on why people weren't getting better, which is why I wanted to educate myself as much as I possibly could. And so now I have like a basic understanding of a lot of things. And so I understand that if I can help you, I can help you. And if not, I can refer you to who you need to go to, you know, cause I've learned like remedial functional medicine from uh, Dr. Perry and, you know, just like all kinds of different stuff. And so, you know, you asked me, uh, God, it could have been like 15 years ago. I don't know, but about the uh, clinical neurodynamics and, you know, that was one of the, most beneficial courses for me because I can tell if I can help you or not pretty much right away through those clinical neurodynamics tests. And if you can't get help, I can tell you how to offload that pain 
so that you can have some relief until you can get help. And so that's like one of those things where I feel like the more I educate myself, the more I understand when I have to refer out and if I can help you or not. And I think that that's like, that's incredibly important, but even more so as a doctor, I think that that's huge, especially in this situation, because my prediction is that this is going to be a rolling pattern from here on out. Like there's just going to be, I feel like our flu seasons are going to be more devastating. I feel like I'm hoping that we're just like Japan where, you know, when we have those heavy flu seasons, we just mask up and take care of ourselves the way that we're doing right now, instead of like shutting down the economy again. But, you know, my prediction is it's just going to keep going. So we need to uh, hold ourselves responsible to be that alternate source of some type of attention, you know, because I can't say medical attention because I'm not a medical person, but I can give you some advice and some like just based off of the education that I have. Yeah. Um, that's a really good point too, is I, I noticed that, you know, it's very common in, in Japan and China when people are ill, they put a mask on when they go out, like they right. still go out, but they wear a mask for, for the courtesy of, of, of someone else. So it's just fine. And yeah, I don't necessarily want to get into why people don't want to wear a mask, but I mean, I, I just say it like this. I don't get it. I, I don't understand why someone would fight. You know, I try to tell people this all the time. I've learned this hard, this, this the hard way myself is like when you just have to, sometimes you just have to do something, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, just, just do it and then get away from it and then do whatever you want. You know, I saw a meme, uh, basically those memes with the signs that you see in the door is like, you have absolutely the freedom to do whatever you want in this country, but our businesses also have the freedom to do what they want. And since it is our business, we get to make the rules. You need a mask when you're in here. Basically that that's not what it says, but that's essentially what it is. Is like, Hey, you could not choose to not wear a mask, but I'm sorry, you can't come into this place and do it too. So it's just like, it's so, it goes back to kind of what you were saying about, you know, all the negativity is so ever present with 24 hour news cycle, depending on, you know, it doesn't even matter where you get your news, but it's just like, just literally focusing. They're focusing on the deaths instead of the survivability. It's weird. I I can't believe I'm kind of going at this angle, but a friend of mine posted something just remembering nine 11. One thing he said in the caption was he remembered how polite everyone was to each other on that day. And like, you mentioned it is this is kind this this whole year this pandemic is a newer generation's version of tragic events I, i'm right. not comparing any tragic event to another tragic event they all have their own very specific traumatic issues that come from it um but where is that politeness you know is right. like we're all trying to deal with this together you know it, we all can get through this together as well too Right. Where is that? You know? Right. And so I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan a lot recently and everybody's talking about the mass thing and they keep talking about Japan and they're just like, Oh, well they're polite. And I'm like, well, why are we polite? Why aren't we polite? Yeah. (laughs) Just be polite, man. Like, like, here's dude, like, you know what I'm doing with my wife? We're, we're getting cool masks. I got two of them here. I have several masks. You see that? Yeah. That's my GI Joe mask with the Cobra logo. Yeah. Want to see my Lucha Libre mask? <laughs> yes. 
Look at this thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. I'm getting cool masks. This is an opportunity to accessorize totally. and have some personality with it. Go get a cool mask. Make sure, yeah. it, make sure you can't blow out a candle when you're wearing it. Right. And you're good, but have fun with it, you know? Let's bring some levity to the situation. I just, like, again, I don't want to get into anybody's, you know, belief system and stuff like that because they have every right to do that. Just, I'm just saying I just don't understand certain perspectives sometimes. I'm trying. I just don't. Right. And so it's, uh, to put it in terms like that you would understand, you have the right to drop the kettlebell on your foot if you want to. <laughs> Good point. You know what I mean? But I have, a, I have a story related to that, actually. I was in a kettlebell competition a number of years ago, and I primarily train and do everything in, in, in barefoot shoes or barefoot. Right. I had Vibrams on. And during the meeting with the lifters, they were like, you can't wear those. Like they called me out specifically to the group. And I, was, I wanted to be like, why? What's, and they were like, well, if you drop it on your toe, they were fixating on the fact that if I dropped a kettlebell on my foot, because these shoes had the individual toes, it would be, they would be liable. And my point was like, it doesn't matter what pair of shoes I'm wearing. If I drop a kettlebell on my toes, it's going to hurt my toes. But I didn't fight it. I just was like, fine, whatever. And I went and I bought a crappy pair of Nikes at the closest store I could find just so I could lift in them, just so they would let me lift in them. Right. So it's like, like they were so fixated on the fact that the shoes had toes meant I was going to get hurt worse. I had every right to just drop the kettlebell on my foot. I could get hurt either way, but I chose to just kind of stick within the rules, follow what the rules said, basically. Right. And so that's rule number one in our gym. Don't drop stuff on yourself. Right. Yeah. And so like, but you have the right to, if you want to, but probably don't. That would be an awesome sign. If you make that sign, I want to, I want to copy your picture of that. Right on. You like to drop the kettlebell, the the weights on your feet. However, when you drop weights frequently, it ruins our floor. So please don't do it. Right. And so like the bait, like if you think about it, logically, the only thing the shoe does when you drop a kettlebell on your foot is keep the mess in your shoe <laughs> instead of exploding it everywhere. That's yeah. all that happens. You yeah. know what I mean? And so yeah. like, so the rule number one is don't do that. Don't drop it on your foot. You know, <laughs> it's just like, it's, man, I should have all my kettlebell students in my classes. I should have started with that. It's like rule yeah. number one with lifting kettlebells. Don't drop it on your foot. <laughs> right. And so like when I have new clients come in and they're doing like, like single arm dumbbell bench press, I'm like rule number one, don't drop the dumbbell on your face. If you're going to fail, fail to the side. You know what I mean? Like that's, and yeah. when I was teaching CrossFit, you know, rule number one of climbing ropes, only climb as high as you want to fall. Like that's, yeah. you know, yeah. and if you don't want to fall, then do something else. Come talk to me and we'll figure out how to get you the same stimulus. Right. So it's like, uh, it's just a, you know, I mean, you don't have to wear a mask a lot. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, just, just wear it a little bit when you're in public and when you're around people that you live with, don't wear it. That's how it works. It's really easy. You know what I mean? We're just complicating the issue and talking about, you know, stuff that, that is so like the going back to like the defund the media thing, because everybody keeps talking to me about all these problems. Right. And I'm just like, well, the media is the cause of a lot of these problems. They're like diving in and they're like demonizing police officers and dividing this country between, which president's going to do a better job. Let's be honest. It doesn't matter who's in there. 
or what color you are or what gender you are, you can screw it up just as well as anybody else. That's a, literally an impossible job to do. You know what I mean? So like, you know, I was criticizing our government's response to COVID early on, but then I realized that like, this is literally an impossible situation. And, yeah. you know, like um, I was on a podcast where they said, if you could trade places for somebody for a day, who would it be? And I said the president, because I want to just have an understanding of what that person has to deal with on a daily basis, because it's probably so far past beyond what we could possibly imagine. You know what I mean? And then somebody said, well, if you defund the media, then that's getting rid of our first amendment. And I was like, well, that first amendment was written by candlelight with a feather. Like things have changed since then. You know what I mean? Like if I wanted to talk to John Campione 200 years ago, I would have to write a letter, put it on a pony. It would probably take like, since you're, you know, in Illinois and I'm in Arizona, take like, who knows, three weeks to get there. And then you respond. So basically we're just having a conversation over the period of like six weeks. You know what I mean? We're like right now we're on the internet and I'm just like, I send you a text message. Hey bro, you want to come hang out? And you're like, sure. And then we just set it up and now we're talking. Like, I feel like we need to update this piece of parchment that's, you know, 200 years old. Like it's, it's a whole different world now and it's increasing. It's just this incredible rate, you know? And it's just like soon, the next thing you know, we're just going to be have talking robots doing our jobs. You know, who knows? We do. <laughs> or, we do. I've got the, I've got one of those speakers in my office right now. <laughs> oh, one of the Alexa things? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I do agree that there is so much news and they're trying to fill time that you start to see more. It, it almost gives an appearance of higher rates of certain things. Yeah. Like I actually, I actually, a couple of years ago, I got really scared of like earthquakes increasing yeah. And it was because like every time I turned on the news, it was like, there's an earthquake here, there's an earthquake. And I actually looked up the statistics myself and it actually seems to be fairly steady, you know, the rate yeah. of earthquakes around the world, but you just kept hearing these reports about them too. And I was getting scared by the sensationalization because of the reporting. Um, this is a terrible analogy for it, but I'll use a real world analogy. When I was getting ready to take a test in grad school, I had music blaring in my ears so I could not hear anybody outside the classroom that was waiting with me because all my classmates used to talk about the material as we're about to enter. They'd be like fumbling through their books and stuff. And it got me super anxious because everything they said, I was like, I don't really remember that. Uh Oh, I don't think I remember that. I don't think so. I got really scared and it was because of the ever present knowledge and it was tricking my brain to thinking I didn't really understand or know what it was. So I, I do definitely agree that like the amount of media that is now available to us, it opens up the opportunity to make things seem uh, uh, more, uh, um, uh, what's the word, more um, detrimental happening more. Yeah, yeah. But also too, yeah, you, you get into the idea that there's a lot of false information out there as well. And I, this is weird as I finished a, a comedy special last night. Cause that's how my wife and I uh, get through the evening after the kids go to sleep is we yeah. have to watch things that make us laugh. Right. <laughs> but um, it was that weird thing where like Netflix finishes and like it has previews. Yeah. So it was, I don't even know who the comedian was, but the preview was basically in his bit. He was saying like, we have so much 
information that we've gotten stupider. How yeah. is it possible that with more knowledge, we all got dumber? And it's like, it's just because there is a lot more out there and it's becoming harder and harder to kind of check in on that too. But, you know, that's where I think we have to take personal responsibility and kind of going through and paying attention to what we see. And also going back to what I said uh, a lot earlier about myself is we also kind of have to start getting back in the middle is like, yeah. you got to look at both perspectives, I think. And I try to appreciate that as much as I can. I really do. Um, and there's a lot of things that I have strong beliefs on, but I don't shove it in anybody's face. No. Um, and I certainly try to hear everyone's perspective. Like, the only reason I don't get into a lot of conversations because I know that a lot of times I can't sit calmly with people and they'll talk to me about their beliefs. They will, they will angrily tell me their beliefs and like almost force it. But it's like, no, no, I just asked you that question because I want to know what your thoughts are on that. I don't want you to argue with me. I want you to discuss with me about it because I don't know your perspective. I don't know where you're coming from with that kind of thing too. And I'm not patting myself on the back for this, but I think I'm kind of an outlier with that is I think a lot of people just enjoy getting out there and arguing. It is so right. ever present now. Everybody's opinion can be heard with comment sections and, yeah. you know, social media. I personally am not a huge fan of social media. I use it admittedly, but I'm just not a big fan where everybody can just get the opportunity to make some kind of comment, whether it be good or bad. And right. then you, the idea is like, oh, hey, I have a, I have this water bottle and I noticed it flipped over on its own. I'm going to record that and put it on the internet. It's like, well, why? Why is that important? <laughs> right. You know? And so it's funny because, uh, you know, my, my friend lives in Aurora, Colorado, and mm. he was watching the news and, um, you know, there, the news was, oh my God, there's this violent protest, all these people, all this stuff. And he's just like, you know what? I'm going to go see what's happening because this is right down the street for me. Yeah. So he drove over there and he was like, there's maybe 100, 200 people there Yeah. that they were all yelling, but nobody was violent. They're just the cameras can, you can choose what you want to focus on, right? So it's mm -hmm. kind of like pain science, right? If you're focused completely on your pain, you're going to be in more pain right. than if you're focusing on something else, right? So that's like right. why, you know, when you hit your head and you rub your head, you're spreading that stimulus out so it's not so... Focus. directed at that one point right so um just the and you know the the problem is that we're not having discussions like you were alluding to earlier we're having arguments and it's a black and white thing but nothing in this world is black or white you know what i mean like you know um uh speaking of like the clinical neurodynamics michael shacklock used to work with david butler yeah and david butler's like it's all in the brain and michael shacklock's like i agree but also it's in the body. And so they ended up like separating and going kind of down different routes because they both think that this thing is incredibly important. Yeah. And so it's all the same stuff. You know what I mean? So like it's everything kind of meets in the middle, but we're not having those discussions. I had, you know, a heated political discussion with one of my clients the other day Oh, geez. And both of us changed our minds several times throughout that discussion because it was a discussion. Oh. Okay. And there was a lot of energy behind it, obviously, but yeah. like, we weren't like arguing, we were having a discussion. So she would bring up something. I'd be like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. I'm following what you're saying now. 
And you know what I mean? So then you know ideas why, come together. And, do you know why I think that was a discussion over an argument? It's because you guys were both willing to hear each other's opinion. Right. And listen to each other's opinion. Right. And I, that's another thing too. You, you were mentioning the news is like, the news is so hard regardless of what side you're on or where, where you, you choose to be. Is like, I feel like the news isn't facts anymore. It's not, hey, this happened. It's, yeah. let me tell you about what I think about what I think happened. It's like, there's so many like opinion pieces and stuff. And it's like the opinion of the person talking is like, I, I'm looking for facts. I really want to know facts. Like, wait, what happened? How many times do I read a news story on, on all platforms? I try to read all platforms as best I can. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm not saying that if anybody's listening and call, trying to call BS on me, I, I mean, I am full of plenty of BS, but um, I try to look at everybody's perspective, but at the certain point, I'm like, I just want facts. What happened? You know? Right. And then like a lot of it is someone's opinion. It's like, well, your opinion is based on your belief system, which you can have, that's your right. But when you just give your opinion on, on something that happened, I don't really get a lot of information from that other than this is what you think about it. Right. And so it's, uh, so like going back to something that, you know, the, the people listening to this podcast will understand. It's like, if you learn a modality, that's not the only modality. Yeah. There's other modalities and you need it's to learn. Analogy, those, yeah. You need to have those other modalities. Right. So when I was talking to Adam Wolf about his new book, which is phenomenal. And if you haven't bought it, do it. But like he talks 100%. about, you, you need to have your base of knowledge and then you need to spread out from there, but you should always fall back to your base of knowledge. Right. <laughs> and so, it's like the, so yeah, what it always says, uh, have a system, have a system right. you can always fall back on. Right. And so like what you're saying is you are trying to go through all these different news sources to piece together information that makes sense to you. So you're basically going, sifting through all this data, trying to figure out your own interpretation of what's happening. Yeah. Because everybody, and because the, you know, the truth is, like you said, is somewhere in the middle. And so we're trying to, and so there's no, that's my other problem is that there's no, there's no like non-biased news reporting. So it's all just like this way or screw you. And that's not yeah. the way the world works. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just really interesting. And, you know, you see that um, all the time in all these different modalities where there's just like, this is the way that this is the only thing you need. You're like, that's not true. You know what I mean? Like you need all the stuff. What happens if that one yeah. thing doesn't work with the one person, you know, and then, you know, I, I'm going to rewind a little bit going back to how you had to yeah. listen to music before your test, because, you know, you think that you have a good grasp on this information. And I remember uh, taking um, dynamic neuromuscular assessment with Joseph Schwartz. And it's like, uh, it's like muscle testing that he figured out how to test the central nervous system to figure out exactly what the problem is, whether it's a physical, physiological, or limbic. And it's just like, yeah, one of those courses where you're just barely hanging on by the end of that. Like, you're like, I think I understand what's happening. And so he does a great job of uh, telling people, you know, in the, during the breakout sessions, letting people kind of figure it out and, I had to walk away from those breakout sessions 
because like I said, I was hanging on by a thread. And if I felt as though somebody was doing it slightly incorrect, I had to leave because I was like, no, this is, this is my understanding of what's happening. And if, if this gets skewed at all, I'm like, you know, I'm like Thor going up into the, going back to Asgard and he just gets kicked off into somewhere and ends up on some weird planet. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's uh, for anybody who has small kids. That's, that's what happens. when I'm talking to my children. You know, it's like, um, Hey, I, oh, I moved something out of the way just so I can sit. And they're like, no, it has to be there. You know, very sim- you know, silly uh, 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 example. But like, you know, if I, uh, my son and I got into, <laughs> got into a fight because I was sitting up in a comfortable position in a certain place upstairs and we were going to read books because we read every night to him and, uh, and, his, and his sister. And he was like, I want to read over here. And I was just, I was just like, dude, can we please read over here? You know, I was very nice at first. It's like, Hey, can we read over here? It's comfortable for me. And I can sit, sit up and do it. He's like, no, I want to do it right here. I was like, well, why in that situation? It's like, well, you're five. That's why your frontal (laughs) lobe is not inhibiting anything. And you know, we're dealing with that. But when we grow up, we start, have to start to realize is like, okay, what's it worth for me to stick my heels in the dirt and say, Nope, we're reading right here or I'm going to have a big fit about it. And right. like in healthcare, in politics, in whatever, it's like at a certain point, we kind of have to look at someone else's perspective and analyze things a little bit further. And I say this to my students all the time. And I think we had that exchange on, uh, on Instagram is like all the stuff that you guys, cause I have a lot of my students, you know, before they even get to their rehab classes with me in school, they're going to these weekend seminars. They're learning very specific systems and techniques. And I said, guys, these are all great in my class. Number one, I can't teach you those things because those are proprietary. It's illegal, but I'm teaching you more about concepts. So hopefully when you get to the point where you can actually use those techniques in practice, you understand the concepts and you can modify it to be able to understand, okay, I need to tweak this for this particular patient. And I see this people, this in my students, I see this in my seminar attendees too, is like, let's say tape. A lot of people come in and they're like, what's the taping application for uh, chondromalacia of the knee? And like our answer, there is no one application. I tell people way ahead of time in the beginning of my classes is you're going to get frustrated with me. Some of you are going to get frustrated with me because the answer to a lot of your questions will be, it depends. Or what do you see on the individual? Because I, and I get in trouble for saying it like this a lot of times too, but I don't care what the diagnosis is. I care how the person moves and how they're functioning and what they want to do. That's what leads me into the technique I'm going to use, the concepts behind that technique, and how I can modify it to fit that individual. Because you're absolutely right. You stick to one very specific thing and you don't get outside of those parameters or that protocol. There are people who will not fit into that and won't help them. Yeah. And so, you know, I saw that a lot with that. There was a lot of fascial stretch therapists that come to like neurokinetic therapy. And so they're like, this is the way that the body functions. And then they come into neurokinetic therapy and then they're just like, why isn't this working now? And I'm like, cause you learned something new, man. Like it's just a new thing. And so how do you integrate fascial stretch therapy with neurokinetic therapy or, you know, because muscle testing is my base. So how do I integrate everything else with muscle testing? And so 
you know, going back to like the taping thing, does this person feel better? Yes or no? That's what matters. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And so like, and I think that's something you said it perfectly. There is, I think when you go to seminars, when you go to a gathering and there's people with different political beliefs, uh, religious beliefs, opinions about anything, and you go to a seminar and there's people who are PTs, DCs, a massage therapist, they have different backgrounds. The thing that I invite everyone to do is listen and then try to incorporate your previously held beliefs and knowledge and, 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 add this new stuff to it. Right. It's, it's, da- it's gathering data. I say this all the time about assessment. You're gathering data. Pick, it, pick that data up and then put it all together, then make your assessment, then make your decision, then uh, um, uh, compile your opinion. Right. And so, you know, going back to, you know, that question that you asked me on your podcast is like, you know, just the, the frustration that I had, why isn't this working, is now like my commonplace with my practice, you know? So if I'm muscle testing somebody and I do a correction and it doesn't work, why isn't this working? Okay. So that that's this area of the body is still under threat. So the brain doesn't want to use it. So we need to figure out why it's under threat. So then we go to Perry Nicholson stuff. Well, we're going to start palpating for inflammation. Okay. This person's chronically inflamed. Why are they chronically inflamed? And then you start going down. That's why I love my job so much is because it's like a constant, it's like a constant puzzle. investigation into this person's pain. You know what it's I mean? It's the best puzzle you can play with. I know. And then so everything else just branches off of my muscle testing. If this muscle testing isn't working, then that means that there's something that I'm missing and I need to go back and figure out what it is. And so they, and you know, like we said multiple times on multiple podcasts, I've heard multiple high level practitioners on your podcast talk about the same thing where your, your clients where your patients appreciate when you take a moment and be like, okay, what's happening instead of just like sitting there and panicking and trying to freak out, you know what I mean? Which is like, you know, could be like a a comparison to like, you know, this whole entire year, like, okay, what's happening? What do we need to do? How do we react to this new thing? You know what I mean? And I'll invite everybody to think about it this way is like, if you're stuck in a model and then someone doesn't fit in that model, would you rather have the skill set and forget skill set? Would you rather have the adaptability and the open mindedness to be able to modify what you're doing with them to find an answer and appreciate that what you did originally didn't work? Or would you rather freak out that that's the only thing you have available and it didn't work and now you have no idea what to do? Right. That's exactly right. Boom. I think we should end with that because, you know, we could probably talk about stuff all day. <laughs> we could, man. Yeah. <laughs> we could keep going constantly. Right on. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for time. having me again. I appreciate it. I always love talking to you. Absolutely. And we'll do it again soon, okay? Absolutely, man. Take care. Right. You as well.